It is Free Talk Live from Rogers Campground here in the beautiful White Mountains of New Hampshire. Fork Fest day number five, I think. It's Friday, Fork Fest 2022, Fork Fest number six. Here is absolutely beautiful. I'm told there are two weddings planned for this weekend. Um, mm-hmm. Someone said on the Matrix chat, you can find that at chat.freetalklive.com, that Normie Fest is about to begin. Oh, because does that mean if I like crash their ceremony and they go, if there's anybody here who opposes this marriage, please say so now. You'd be like, I do! I suspect that would probably be a good way of getting banned from Roger's campground at this point, because based on what I've heard, that there's going to be some pretty large crowds here for these, the, these Normie Fests, for these weddings, yeah. so to speak, which puts us in a minority here. Like, we're, we're not longer playing with the home field advantage. Glad I brought some <laughs> business cards. Perhaps I can, you know, use my entrepreneurial spirit and connect with some normie people and change some minds. Well, it's not impossible, right? I mean, that's sort of the whole idea of libertarianism is that we reach out to people and all that great stuff. But I don't know. I wouldn't want to do it. I tend to think the people here for a wedding aren't necessarily here to talk about politics. But... It is Fork Fest, even if there are weddings going on here. And yesterday marked a first. We had the first ever Fork Fest game of mini golf. A lot of people didn't even know there was a mini golf course here at Rogers Campground. And, and to be truthful, even though they you know, gave us some mini golf balls and told us where the clubs were, we were uncertain as to what the condition of said golf course was and whether it was even playable when we when we walked over there but we were pleasantly surprised they had the same issue like you know we we were just sitting around talking yesterday about the possibility and i was like i'm gonna go find out if the course is open so i went in there and asked and she was like i don't know if it's open or not i was like well i saw someone playing a few days ago and she said well then i guess it's open at six dollars per person how many you got i was like and then the adventure began of finding this place and finding the entrance and all of that because we know it's here but none of us have ever been down to it or anything like that it was it was surprisingly it was it was probably one of the most wholesome events to ever take place at fork fest despite the the large quantities of vodka that were present well yeah we had uh, you know i brought my little uh, portable bluetooth speaker we were cranking rock and roll we had vodka we had you know things we were mixing vodka with and it was a good time all the necessities i'm sorry all the necessities yeah absolutely we were even making up rules as we went along I don't know how bad we were about making up the rules, but we were establishing the parameters of an upcoming Forkfest mini golf tournament. Tournament's not really the right word because there's only one game being yeah. played, so it's not really a tournament. But sure, I mean we can call it a tournament if we want. It doesn't matter. Uh, we're calling it a cockalypse, I think, because there are four giant <laughs> metal roosters giant around metal the roosters thing. in each corner. I call them the four coxmen of the apocalypse. That's also accurate. They are surprisingly like robust, right? I, I expected it, it, it would be like some lightweight aluminum that you know you could just easily push over. But no, if like some little kid was playing on this and trying to climb it and it fell over, that kid could be seriously yeah. injured. And it's interesting yeah. that they're not like mini golf is infamous for having you know weird structures and all that kind of thing. And even to that point, this mini golf they have like a big plastic frog that you got to shoot a ball through. And well, it's a metal frog, I believe. It was a metal. Yeah. Oh, I thought it was black. Anyway, but, but you yes, know, they I have all that, that stuff a- on the course. But these giant rusty roosters are not actually part of the course. They're separate. They look like they could have been antiques or decorations purchased, you know, just for ambience, you know, at They're the course. Watching, standing guard over the course. They certainly are. The one in each corner, so the four <laughs> coxmen 
of the apocalypse. So to give people an idea of how it went, uh, Chris Wade, that's Mr. Penguin, as most people know him in Telegram at Fort Fest, actually won the event uh, quite handily, as I understand it. I placed dead last, which is fine with me, as I tend to be pretty athletic, but I'm absolutely horrible at mini golf, as it turns out, and I'm fine with that. None of us were particularly savvy, even Mr. Penguin himself. I mean, I was okay at it. Well, he got par more often than not, I think. But I was okay at it. You know, the longer shots, it was the, you know, six foot to ten ten foot putts that I was missing repeatedly. And, like, I would go past the hole or to the side of the hole. So, got to work on my short game, right? I totally get Happy Gilmore now, like, though, when he dropped down on the ground. I was like, what? That's your home ball. Just go to your home. Because there were so many times I just wanted, like, the seventh time I would miss this putt. I'm like, oh, I'm going to, I want to take this ball and beat it to death with a baseball bat. And then, of course, you got Chris Wade over there getting par on almost every single hole. Dry, and, drive for dough, putt. No, drive for show, putt for dough, as they say. Oh, nice. Yeah. Nice. We have been having some fun here. Uh, every night that I've been here, there has been uh, some sort of a gathering round a campfire that involves, you know, drinking and all that kind of fun stuff that goes along with that and just meeting of people and as these things go, like, it'll start with a crowd, and if you stay long enough, that crowd will cycle out, and a whole new crowd will replace it somehow, because people are keeping different schedules and things like that. But Yeah, absolutely. Ha- having the campfire and, uh, you know, sort of an open bar and people just hanging out, relaxing, having a good time, plenty of kick-ass conversation, and I don't mean that as a pun. <laughs> right. That's uh, been great. It absolutely has. And speaking of kick-ass conversation, well, I also, real quick, I want to give a shout-out to Nikki, who was the only one yesterday out of all 18 holes to not to hit a hole-in-one. So That's kudos true. on that, man. Yeah. So, but anyway, speaking of conversations, none of these are really kick-ass conversations, but right, I can't help but notice the Porcupine Festival chat. Well, they Freedom can be Festival as long as chat. I'm here. Well, I mean, you could take part in the chat, right? And then it would be. <laughs> But the Porcupine Freedom Festival chat has just been erupting for like the last 24 hours with these people arguing about this one couple who were nudist, naturalist, I believe is the term they prefer. Nudity! Here at the Porcupine Freedom Festival, and this apparently bothered a lot of people, or a few very loud people about it. And I just don't understand what the complaint is. I do understand, you know, from the conservative perspective of they are conditioned to associate nudity with sex because to them, they only get naked for two purposes or three rather to change clothes, to take a shower and to have sex. So as Pavlovian, it's just like the, the Pavlov experience where you ring a bell and then you feed the dog, right? After a, enough of that, every time you ring a bell, the dog begins to salivate. Just like every time humans see nudity, they become sexually aroused. We, we made that association by repeatedly getting that endorphin rush after seeing nudity. To break that, it really just takes people being exposed to nudity more often in ways that aren't sexual. But they're not willing to do that. To them, the association is so strong that they're convinced that it's it's permanent, right? It's not this association they formed. It's just inherently true of the ringing bell that you're supposed to get food afterward. And it's frustrating to watch this play out. Of course, there are people who want to defer to the to the property owners. And I'm like, great, let's, let's do that because that would be Crosby. Mm. And Crosby has never cared about people running around naked. Yeah. Other people want to have it restricted to one specific area. 
because they they feel like they it's not a safe nudity area yes they feel like it's not enough to ban nudity from their site right because then you have these little roadways here that they can't ban nudity from and they're like how am i supposed to explain this to my children well it's really simple just explain to your children that some people don't like wearing clothes children understand that most children as soon as you dress them the first thing they do is rip off all their clothes (laughs) and i don't you don't want to paint a a picture that isn't accurate pork fest has been around for what 20 years now yes and uh, there has always been some sort of nudity involved with the festival near as i can tell every year uh, it's a thing. It shouldn't be a surprise to anyone who's attending. I'm pretty sure it's mentioned uh, for you know the newcomers and that kind of thing. Hey, you know this is a, a freedom oriented thing. Well, they're saying it wasn't. They they're saying you know the, this thing was you know portrayed to us as being family friendly, and these people walking around nude is not family friendly. You're right though, and the, there's always been nudists here at the Porcupine Freedom Festival. And of course, I want to say you know Fork Fest, that's our festival, has no rules. If you want to walk around naked, walk around naked. No one cares. And if they do care, they can close their eyes or they can avert their gaze. Or as Jesus Christ said, gouge out their eyes. I don't really care. It's their problem to deal with, not the nudists. But in other years, there was some complaining about it, but not nearly as much. And the reason is those were women who were nudists, not men. It's the male nudist who's getting all of the criticism this year. I've seen some of that chat and I've just ignored it because it all feels like high drama to me and I just don't want any part of it. But uh, I did see when I was in the office uh, getting ice that there was a naked woman at the pool. Yeah, there was and no one cared. There is more coming up here from Fort Fest. It is Free Talk Live. It is Free Talk Live from Rogers Campground in the beautiful White Mountains of New Hampshire. It's going to be an extremely hot day, evidently. We're getting back up to the 90s or close to it, I think. But it is a beautiful day, and it is rather breezy, and that helps take some of the edge off. I want to tell you about Bitcoin.com. Bitcoin, as I understand it, is on sale. It's it's climbed its way back up a little bit, I hear, to about 19500 something like that. Head on over to Bitcoin.com to learn about this technology. Don't just start buying, you know, tens of thousands of dollars worth of Bitcoin. First, learn about it at Bitcoin.com. And if you do already know about it, click news.bitcoin.com to stay up to date on all of the news and headlines that are relevant to you, all on a sleek, easy-to-use modern website. That's news.bitcoin.com. With you today, it's Aria. Big kahuna. And I am hungover. Welcome to the show, Hungover. It's, it's been interesting watching more people roll in here because, you know, ForkFest yesterday was sort of dead, but it is now Friday, which is, you know, the weekend. That's when you expect people to begin rolling in. But it's unclear how many of these people are here for ForkFest and how many are here for the weddings, how many are here for the fireworks. It's amazing to me. I got a friend who just spent close to $10,000 just on the venue for her wedding. It's amazing to me. When I look at that and I think about these people here who are not libertarians mm. who want to get married at Rogers Campground. Mm. To me, that's, that's a little bit sad. It's like there's nothing wrong with Rogers Campground. And it's, it's a great place to get married if you're a libertarian. Plenty of libertarians have gotten here at, before Pork Fest or during Fork Fest or whatever. But for non-libertarians to do it, it just feels weird. I'm like, eh. 
50 bucks for the venues, the best you could afford, really? I, mean, I don't want to knock them for that. I, I mean, I got it, married it, in a front yard because I didn't care, but think, most people do care about that sort of thing, so it seems weird to me. In these situations, it's possible that they're thinking about their financial future. I always find it ridiculous that young couples, when they do decide to get married, you know, whether or not they're financed by their parents or themselves, that they spend these ridiculous sums of money on the wedding itself. Now, I get that, like, for, for wives, this is their one day to be a rock star and, you know, and all yeah. that kind of stuff, so they want to throw a bunch of money at it. But if you're seriously considering building a life together and you're going to make all this money available to pay for these things that, I mean, really, they're disposable, right? Your yeah. cake is disposable. Yeah. It's consumable, right? Well, the, the memories tablecloth, right? And the I memories understand aren't. being willing to pay for those memories. But if you just think about the amount of money raised for a wedding, say $10,000, for example, well, there's a lot better things that a young couple could do with that money than spend it on a big ceremony and partying. So if you can go with a budget option like a campground on a beautiful summer day, why wouldn't you? I don't know. To me, the whole point of living is to establish wonderful memories. And having, you know, it's a bit obscene, I would say, to pay $10,000 for a venue. But if someone wants to do it in order to establish the memories of their wedding, because for a lot of these people, this is this is like their their high school graduation or whatever. It's going to be the biggest day they ever have in yeah, their entire lives. Well, I mean, I don't want to, you know, cheapen it by saying they want to feel like rock stars. It's just this is the biggest day they're ever going to have, you know, in their entire 60, 70, 80 year existence. You think rock stars feel cheap? I think saying that, you know, people just want to feel like rock stars and that's why they spent 35 grand or whatever. That's the closest thing I can compare it to, right? Like, I've been on stage. I know what that feels like. And so to me, it's, it's a similar feeling that they're seeking out. I don't. I don't agree. I think they just want to have you know a special day because again, it's it's not like us going up there to play a single rock show. This is the one show they're ever going to play in their entire life. And to me, if they want to spend some ridiculous amount of money on that, I understand it. And you know that's that's what they want to do. They want to establish those memories. And to me, thirty five thousand dollars put into stocks or gold or whatever that may benefit them more in the long run, but they won't have those memories. And I, I don't want to put a price on what those memories should be worth financial independence yeah. to me is yeah. worth more than yeah. you know a ceremony yeah I, I can respect uh, the decision i mean i understand what you're saying but ten thousand i mean i've heard ceremonies fifty thousand or more oh, yeah. i mean it's it's a complete spectacle and it's really a show obviously i think it's beyond just the experience and if people are in a tight situation particularly with inflation now being what it is there's only so many dollars to go around so they may not value that experience like they used to well, we are assuming here that, you know, 35000 because like my friend, she's budgeted, I think, 35000 for her wedding, that, you know, that, that they're also not investing in savings or gold or stocks or yeah, whatever. Yeah, thirty-five grand in New Hampshire is probably a, a down payment on a small house. Certainly, but what, maybe they already have a house that they're buying. I mean, we're operating under the assumption here that they're frivolously spending money that they can't afford, and that isn't necessarily the case. There's every reason to suggest they can easily afford 35000 and still continue on securing their two and a half kids and white picket fence or whatever, if that's what they want to do. But anyway, it's, it's still weird to me. And again, I got married in, in my front yard, so I'm, I'm not knocking the people who got here, who are getting married here at Rogers Campground. It's not about the money at all, in so much as it's about the choice of location. I wonder if the, uh, if the wedding and their guests will be nude. 
I, I would assume not. <laughs> uh, from what I've know. heard in the office, uh, the, these are normal non-libertarian people coming up, so they're probably not There's naturalists. Plenty of non-libertarian nudists. There are, yeah, but it seems very unlikely that these people are going to be naturalists. Maybe we could change their mind. Well, feel free to pop down there naked if you'd like. I'm not going to attempt it. <laughs> But, you know, if somebody wants to be naked, I think that's their right. And I think that should be respected. A lot of, for whatever reason, the accusations in this pork fest chat. Meanwhile, we're down there having a good time playing mini golf, right? We were having a great time. <laughs> it was awesome. Meanwhile, the pork fest chat has people accusing one another of being pedophiles and stuff like that. And this especially bothers me as a trans person because the person who's taking the flack here for being nudist, they actually handed out pamphlets and stuff like that about why they chose to be naked. And I'm like, you know, if I was to give out to families and little kids pamphlets on why I'm trans and why I choose to wear women's clothes or whatever, they'd say that I was grooming kids, right? And he's facing the same sort of accusations here. Mm. And it's all nonsense about the way someone's dressed or whatever. It's like, you got to allow this person that right to dress however they want, even if that means they're not going to wear any clothes whatsoever. It's funny. It used to be uh, how you knew you lost an argument. If you brought up Hitler first, right? Yeah. Now, the new way, at least in the libertarian circle, seems to be if you bring up pedophilia, that's how you know you've lost the argument. It was very surprising to me to see anyone calling anyone else a pedophile. Over, and these were, from what I understand, these were first-time attendees of the Porcupine Freedom Festival who were leveling these allegations. I'm just, that, that meme of, you know, the Pirates of the Caribbean guy, or I think it's Pirates of the Caribbean, about to be hung, saying, aha, it's your first time, isn't it? That just comes to mind because this sort of thing has been going on at the Porcupine Freedom Festival for a long time. And what's next? You know, open nudity being banned, what's next? Open carrying being banned? Open cross-dressing right, yeah. being banned. There's no limit. Once you start banning things like this that aren't hurting anyone, that's if you know nudity was committing an act of aggression, that would be one thing. But it's demonstrably not doing so. There's no aggression involved whatsoever. There's nothing to ban, as far as I can tell. And I understand if someone wants to ban it for their campsite or whatever. That's a very narrow scope of power. But if they want to exercise that power, sure, they're, they're the tenant of that campsite. They have that right. But of course, that's not good enough. You know, they, that's what happens when you have a central apparatus in place that can create rules like banning nudity and stuff like that. You have these this crowd clamoring over one another to the hey, ban this one thing that I don't like. Yeah, instead of learning tolerance and acceptance, which is what should be doing, uh, they engage in that drama. And I try to stay away from that. But there is more coming up here from Fort Fest. It is Free Talk Live. Looking for a great real estate investment? Consider New Hampshire, which is ground zero for the Liberty Movement. Your first call should be to Mark Warden from Porcupine Real Estate. He's more than just a real estate agent. He's your New Hampshire concierge. Where are the best places to live? Do you want farms, city, the burbs, or forest? Do you want a duplex or multifamily building so that renters pay your mortgage? There are homes in all price ranges in New Hampshire, and Mark can help with financing, too. Invest in Liberty and property. Mark Warden can help. PorcupineRealEstate.com It is Free Talk Live from Rogers Campground here in the beautiful White Mountains. It's Fork Fest, day number five. I believe it's Friday, kicking things off the weekend. I lost count, man. 
Yeah, I mean, it's, it's one of those things where I tend, I tend to keep track of it because each day I say what day it is here on the air, and it's easier. And I mean, I'm you know, on federal release, so I'm not doing all the shrooms and LSD and stuff that I'm Well, actually, thank you for announcing what day it is because I don't know that anybody else would tell me without me asking. It is absolutely Friday, though. I'm positive of that. Going into the weekend here, you can come hang out with us at ForkFest.Party. That's the unofficial website. If you want to do that, again, that's ForkFest. Dot party with you today. It's price. Aria, Big Kahuna, and the Lord Reverend Doctor Captain Kickass. And I got a weird little story here that I wanted to get into. A New Hampshire gas station has slashed its prices to two dollars and thirty-eight cents per gallon, presumably as part of an event to draw attention to the cost of inflation. Does that mean we're going to see uh, offensive tweets from presidents again? Were we seeing offensive tweets from presidents when the last time gas was that low? Oh. Hopefully, I don't know, it, it would be more entertaining at least. At Simon's Market in Littleton, New Hampshire, right right up here. I mean, right up oh, here by wow. where we're at. Yeah. I know where I'm going to gas yeah. up on the way out. I'm going to go there well, later today. It was only for an hour and a half, evidently. It was yesterday that they did this. Oh, it dropped to boss. $2.38 per gallon for an hour and a half. The steep drop-in price was part of an event hosted by Americans for Prosperity, a fi- fiscally conservative group seeking to draw attention to the cost of inflation on the average American. I want to know. Okay, it does say why. This is part of our national true cost of Washington tour, said Greg Morris, state director of Americans for Prosperity. People are getting crushed right now by the high costs of inflation. And I like this because they're accurately using the word inflation to mean an increase in the money supply, and that is what causes prices to go up. Yep. Most people, most media outlets, most average, your average American understands inflation to be the increase in the prices, and of course, that's not correct. Or they call it Putin's price hike. Or and they it, call it that for... And it's like, if, if Putin really had the power to hike up prices around the globe, do you think he'd have waited until now to like exercise that little bit of power? No, he'd have done it a long time ago. Absolutely. OPEC has far more control over things than, you know, uh, Putin does. And, you know, the United Arab Emirates recently came out and said, oh, well, we're, we're producing oil. We're, we're drilling it at maximum capacity at the moment. So we can't do anymore. I don't believe that for a minute. That, I mean, by lowering the supply, while demand stays the same or increases, you know, they make more money. Yeah. So I, I don't believe for a moment that the United Arab Emirates and OPEC and the oil and petroleum exporting countries or something like that, the Organization of Petroleum Exporting Companies, that's OPEC. I don't believe for a minute that they're, you know, actually trying to meet uh, demand. The adjusted price of $2.38 per gallon is less than 50% of the average cost of gas throughout the country. It was also done for a specific reason. It was the average price of a gallon of gas when President Joe Biden was sworn into office a year and a half ago. Ah. This is what I hate so much about the increase in gas prices, right? So many people are convinced that Joe Biden somehow did this. This is why when I fill up my tank or whatever, I like taking a picture of it, like using Snapchat and then overlaying some text like, Thank you, Janet Joplin or insert some other random person who has no impact whatsoever on the prices of gas? Well, I could tell you why everybody thinks that uh, that uh, that Biden has something to do with it. It's because of those little stickers that everybody gets and puts on the gas pumps that say, I did this, and it's a picture of Joe Biden pointing at the gas price. Right, but the, in order to do that, it's they have to already marketing. be... I mean, in order to do that, they have to already be convinced that Joe Biden did that, right? And he, he did it. 
Ultimately, we're trying to give people a little relief, said Moore, which means that, you know, if they actually did this, see, I figured it was like a marketing stunt, but clearly not. They actually sold price, sold gasoline for $2.38 per gallon at a loss. Hundreds of people lined up for hours to fill their tanks, and I'm not surprised at all. Several said the pinch of inflation has caused them to have to rethink their driving habits. We can't go anywhere. We can't do anything. We have to conserve, said Diane Cook, a Conway resident. This is a break for me, along with a lot of people behind me, as they send their in-lines for hours to get gas for $2.38 per gallon. I think it's probably a bit exaggeratory to say that, you know, it's... They can't do anything, and they can't go anywhere, but maybe. I wonder how much gas they burned idling, waiting in line. (laughs) I would hope they at least turn their cars off, right? You would hope. Simon's Market sold over 1,000 gallons of gas at a reduced price during the hour-and-a-half period. American, well, then it wasn't for hours that they sat there. It was for an hour-and-a-half. This article is a bit confusing, but that's what you expect from local news sources. A lot of people who are on fixed incomes or low incomes, those are the people who are coming out, said Matthew Simon, the owner of the market. We want to give relief to people who really need it. And of course, how, how does he have any way of knowing that? Is he asking these people? Is he surveying these people? Hey, are you living on a fixed income or a low income? It's, it's insane. People were ecstatic with the price, of course. If prices would be like this every day, it would be so nice, said one resident. It's a nice little story, and I, I, I don't know if it really achieved the goal of you know drawing attention to inflation and the increase in prices that resulted from that, because I'm not convinced that inflation had a whole lot to do with the price of gasoline. Well, and I'm pretty sure that most everyone is aware of the inflation at this point. Right. It's kind of hard to not be aware of it. So if their goal was to make people aware of it, I think maybe they could have put their efforts elsewhere. It, it probably would have been. I mean, they operated at a loss for this hour and a half. There's no way they didn't, right? They can't recuperate the cost of that gasoline yeah. at that price. So good on them for that. I don't know that I would have done it, but, you know, they did, and it was successful, and it made it made headlines. So there is that. Now, we mentioned uh, yesterday a bit about the the crisis in the airline industry. Apparently, it's even a bit worse than that, with air travel becoming unsafe, experts say, because of a huge shortage of pilots. So now, it's not just, you know, tedious and difficult and arduous and expensive. It's it's not pronounced pilot? No, unfortunately, it is a fact pilot. All right. And, you know, they're, they're experiencing a shortage. And because of this, they're apparently rushing people through their little training programs in order to get them out there flying planes. That seems like a good solution. Well, what could possibly go wrong? <laughs> I wouldn't be opposed to abolishing the FAA and allowing these people to, you know, pilot airline, pilot aircraft without, you know, any pilot license whatsoever. But I would also expect a reduced price to the cost of my airline, to the cost of my air travel if I was going to get in the plane with someone who didn't know how to fly the plane. Did you have something? Well, that, that definitely has not happened. I mean, uh, I've priced some flights recently, and it's it's just astronomical increases. I think they're trying to make up for the lost flying over the last year or two. Oh, yeah. And it seems to be all of these things are limiting people. And, and I don't mean like... Uh, like if you zoom out a little bit, 
the COVID lockdowns, right? You're limiting people, right? Their, their movement, what they can buy, where they can go, what they can do for their business. Uh, gas prices are high. You're limiting where people can go, what they can buy, all that kind of a thing. Yeah. Uh, air travel, having a crisis. You're further limiting people, limiting their choice, limiting their freedoms just by manipulating markets and having a monopoly on the currency. And it's got to stop at some point. It, the system will break. It's just a question of when. Well, you're right. The end goal definitely seems to be to have people locked down in their house because they can't afford to go anywhere else. Living with their virtual reality headset, taking part in metaverse or decentraland or whatever, you know, living their lives vicariously in these virtual worlds because they just can't afford to drive out, you know, to actually go on vacation. Yeah, they they can't afford a real world. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so they pop on a headset and suddenly they're in Paris or whatever. I mean, it's probably fairly expensive to go to Paris, but you're absolutely right, uh, Big Kahuna. The price of flying has increased substantially, right? Like a year and a half ago or a year ago, I was buying flights and it was, you know, $500, $600 for a ticket, something like that. It's almost twice that or a little over twice that at this point. And, you know, there's more people flying now, sure, but that doesn't mean the airlines are costing any. They want full, pl- full flights because that's the most cost effective for them. That that 200 pounds of luggage and body, body weight for people is just... It's, it's not making a difference in their bottom line. There is more coming up here from ForkFest. You can join us at ForkFest.party. It is Free Talk Live. It is Free Talk Live from Rogers Campground here in the beautiful White Mountains of New Hampshire. I want to tell you about Freedom Fest. Fork Fest is not the only libertarian event happening this year. I know like two years ago it did seem, or maybe it was a year ago, I don't remember now, the Porcupine Freedom Festival and Fork Fest, they were the only libertarian events yeah. happening. This year there is also Freedom Fest. You can find it at freedomfest.com. Use code FTL50 there to get $50 off, and that's basically 10% off your ticket cost. It's in Las Vegas. From July the 15th through the 17th, Mark is going to be speaking there as well as a number of other awesome big name people like Glenn, Glenn Greenwald, um, Mark Edge, obviously, uh, uh, Spike Cohen, and some others. So check it out at FreedomFest.com. Use code FTL50 for $50 off. That's FreedomFest.com. With you today, it's Aria. Big Kahuna. And the captain. And, Captain, you had this story yesterday and we didn't get to it. Tell us, it's, it's about... Uh, Smart dust. dust. Yes. And th- this is a fascinating topic to me because I remember like 10, 15, 20 years ago, the the higher levels of the military, they had access to, you know, drones, essentially, that were, they, they weren't as powerful, they couldn't fly as far as your average drone, but they were like the size of your average house fly. Right. And uh, they could be piloted wherever and they could monitor people from wherever. And Nano drones, I believe, is the term there. I think so. And now they've gone even smaller, uh, and there's the possibility of, you know, smart dust, something the size of a grain of sand or a a speck of dust. Precisely. Uh, Imagine a world... uh, This is from Forbes.com, by the way. Uh, Imagine a world where wireless devices are as small as a grain of salt. I don't want to. That's terrifying. These miniaturized devices have sensors, cameras, and communication mechanisms to transmit the data they collect back to a base in order to process. Today... 
you no longer have to imagine it. Microelectromechanical systems, known as MEMS, M-E-M-S, often called moats, are real. And they very well could be coming to a neighborhood near you. Whether this fact excites or strikes fear into you, it's good to know what it's all about. Why would this excite anyone? I mean, I understand, you know, from a personal defense perspective, being someone who has been raided by the FBI and stuff like that, if I could have had, like, a speck of dust that was recording what happened in my bedroom or whatever, that would have been great. Right. But that's also a very, very rare use case for this sort of technology. In general, if I'm recording someone, I want the camera to be plainly visible so that they know they're being recorded. To me, the secret recording thing isn't quite isn't quite right. Even if it is moral and you know not a violation of the nap or whatever, it, it just doesn't sit right with me. Well, there are some applications I could you know sort of foresee only based on stuff that other people have imagined. Uh, Black Mirror, for example, had an episode where uh, they had created uh, drone bees. Right, as everybody knows, the bee population uh, has been an issue of concern for some people. And so they created these drone bees in order to help pollinate plants and, you know, otherwise keep people alive because the pollination of plants is pretty important. So I could see something like, you know, smart dust being the pollen now instead of the bee. Now it's the pollen and it finds its own plants, stuff like that. So I could see, you know, much like any tool, right? You take a hammer, you could use it to build a house or you could use it to bash somebody's head in. It's about the intent, the intent behind the individual. Certainly. So to that extent, smart dust can be seen as a tool. And the question is, will the tool be used for good, for awesome, or for evil? Well, I can't imagine a lot of use cases for smart dust where it could really be used for good. I imagine it seems like the governments are going to use it, and it's going to be primarily used for you know evil, like governments tend to do. But tell us more about it. I mean, what... When can we expect to actually see this out there in the public? Well, uh, the first thing they talk about is what smart dust can do. Outfitted with miniature sensors, MEMS can detect everything from light to vibrations to temperature. With an incredible amount of power packed into its small size, MEMS combines sensing and autonomous power supply, computing, and wireless communication in a space that is typically only a few millimeters in volume. With such a small size, the devices can stay suspended in an environment just like a particle of dust. They can collect data, including acceleration, stress, pressure, humidity, sound, and more from sensors. They can process the data with what amounts to an onboard computing system. Ooh, that is pretty robust. They can store the data in memory. They can wirelessly communicate the data to, uh, to the cloud, a base, or to other MEMS, so they can communicate with each other. Uh, 3D, 3D printing on a micro scale. Since the components that make up these devices are 3D printed as one piece on a commercially available 3D printer, an incredible amount of complexity can be handled. And some previous manufacturing barriers that restricted how small you can make things were overcome. The optical lenses that are created for these miniaturized sensors can achieve the finest quality of images. The potential of smart dust to collect information about any environment in incredible detail could impact plenty of things in a variety of industries, from safety to compliance to productivity. It's the compliance part that concerns me, of course. Obviously. It's, it's like multiplying the Internet of Things technology millions or billions of times over. Here are just some of the ways it might be used. Monitor crops in an unprecedented scale to determine watering, fertilization, and pest control needs. Monitor equipment 
to... I mean, that sounds innocuous, right? But do they really need smart dust in order to do that? It sounds like, you know, they could just use any sort of technology to do that sort of thing. Well, I mean, farmers have been farming for you know, millions of years, so, you know, what techniques have they been using? Well, this they're saying that this is a tool to improve upon that, make that more efficient. Uh, they're saying that it can monitor equipment to facilitate more timely maintenance. It can identify weaknesses and corrosion prior to a system failure. Uh, it can enable wireless monitoring of people and products for security purposes. See, that's ah, where the rub. Yeah. That's where things start getting a little bit fuzzy, you know. Monitoring people for security purposes, that's the domain of governments. Uh, and that's where they start using technology like this to commit acts of evil, as can, governments tend to do. It can measure anything that can be measured nearly anywhere. It can enhance inventory control. Uh, let's see what else. Uh, possible applications for the healthcare industry are immense, from diagnostic procedures without surgery to monitoring devices that help people with disabilities interact with tools that help them live independently. Researchers at UC Berkeley published a paper about the potential for neural dust, an implantable system to be sprinkled on the human brain. Oh, that sounds like a terrible idea. I, you know, I'm all for transhumanism, using technology to augment the human body, to make the human body do what one wishes were it to do. I'm all for that. I think it's great. But I don't want you to mess with my brain. They to do. me, that's where the line gets a little bit... That's where you start crossing the line. Well, and it's again, it's about the intent. Are you voluntarily seeking this out to enhance yourself in some way that's of benefit to you or is somebody right. else trying to put this in your brain in an effort to control you as an individual to me i mean i i don't know that i see much of a difference between the two anything that you're putting in the brain is going to be beyond your control and if someone wants to hijack it i suppose at some point we're going to have to deal with the reality of people hacking other people's brains if we go too far down this road of transhumanism and that to me is terrifying so just because it's intended to you know the person opts to have this dust sprinkled into their brain doesn't mean they're going to maintain their autonomy in the long run i mean hacking already exists and Based on what I know of doing IT for the last you know, 10 to 15 years, your average IT person doesn't take IT security remotely seriously enough for, to me, for me to be comfortable with the average individual you know, having the Internet of Things in their home, much less you know, in their literal actual brain. To me, it's terrifying, and, and I, don't, I think if people really understood what IT security was like and what your average IT administrator, what they did in regard to IT security, I think they would be more hesitant about all of this kind of stuff. But I could be wrong. At any rate, I don't intend to have any sort of transhumanist dust sprinkled into my brain, and I'm all for transhumanism. But I just think if, that's it, – it's like the – go ahead. But what if it could, you know, trigger, uh, you know – good effects for your effects that you enjoy what if it was like a drug like right it could put you into a uh, it could be like soma right we're like a, i'm like i'm feeling kind of or where the government's like uh, aria is a little bit too resisting of the policies <laughs> we want to implement let's let's give her some happiness let's let's dial up that happiness knob from four to six you have taken your soma that, that's so yeah I, I would be opposed to that as well because i mean like endorphins on demand that that's the kind of thing that would be going on here and governments absolutely would would take control of that technology and they would abuse it that that's what i always look at when i look at these technologies like this like yeah it sounds like it would be a good thing like you know i'm kind of depressed today oh that's okay i 
have this little thing. I can just give myself a little bit more happiness. But then, oh, no, that gets turned against you with the U.S. government saying, oh, we we can pacify Arya. She doesn't have to actually run for office or resist or anything like that. We can just give her fake generic happiness. Yeah, I feel like we can't spend our lives, though, worrying about uh, what government will do to technology because we have to invent anyway, even though we know that the government is evil. We have to find a way to combat that. Absolutely. There's more coming up here. It is Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live's video archives have been on Library for years. Library is an uncensorable, decentralized, blockchain-based media sharing protocol, and we're big fans of it here on Free Talk Live. In 2020, Library launched Odyssey, a video sharing website to compete with YouTube, and it's really taking off, now with over 1 million channels, many of whom are disaffected YouTube creators. During YouTube's crackdown for not towing the government line on COVID, the Free Talk Live YouTube channel started receiving strikes and could be completely taken down at any moment. Thankfully, Odyssey started offering live streaming, so we're now streaming live every night and posting our video archives permanently to Odyssey. You can watch live or anytime on our Odyssey channel by visiting video.freetalklive.com. If you want to go all in, download the desktop app at lbry.com, and then every video archive you watch, you'll help seed and keep it online forever. At minimum, we ask you visit video.freetalklive.com and follow us on Odyssey today. Video.freetalklive.com. Free Talk Live. It is Free Talk Live from Rogers Campground here in the beautiful White Mountains of New Hampshire. That amazing breeze continues to be blowing through the campground here. It's absolutely refreshing. It takes away all of the sting of today's heat because originally, like, it was pretty hot out here. But with that breeze going on, it's... It continues to be perfect weather here at Forkfest. The answer, my friend, is blowing in the wind. I'm not sure I get it, but anyway, we're talking here about about dust and um, smart dust. Smart dust. I keep want to call it. I keep want to call it magnetic dust, right? Because when I when I had been doing IT for like less than a year at this point, and. Um, I had this coworker who was convinced that you know there was magnetic dust in the air that kept attracting attracting the dust to computer components and right. stuff like that. Yeah. He was like, I don't know, I, I think it's magnetic dust, right? And that that was such a bizarre way of looking at things. And you know, obviously there, there's heat and all of this other stuff and air pressure, and that's what attracts the dust. And it's not magnetism at all. But it was such a weird way of looking at it that that's what always th- comes to my mind when I think about weird types of dust or whatever. But well, this was, smart dust. I was thinking just during the break, I wonder if smart dust will put, uh, you know, hotel and motel housekeepers out of work because now the dust will just sort of clean itself. I imagine it's going to be cost prohibitive, right? <laughs> For the uh, dust to go out there and get and rid of the... think about the duster manufacturers, those little feather dusters that oh, they use. Oh, they're in trouble. They're, they're in trouble. They're going to be out of business. Be a really good way of, like, you know, making sure your house isn't bugged, though. Buy one of those and just run it through the entire house. Suddenly, no more concerns. That's a fact. Uh, they do talk about the disadvantages of smart dust here. Uh, well, there's the quite a few. To, I mean, we've mentioned quite a few of them already just for privacy reasons. You can't. I mean, if it's if you have a camera in your house the size of a speck of dust, then you're, you're never going to find it unless it's by sheer accident. You're never going to know it was a camera. Yeah, their, their first point is privacy concerns. And, of course, 
they say all of the things we've already said, uh, but they say your imagination can run wild, of course, regarding the negative privacy concerns uh, about you know this type of a thing. Our imagination can run wild because the technology can run wild. Yes. Think about you know all of the public bathrooms around there and all of the dressing rooms or whatever that the progress was just oh I'm going to drop this piece of dust here and no mm-hmm. one will ever know. Yeah, security systems are designed to keep people out or otherwise limit access uh, for people. Dust, however, I think we all know, it's everywhere. It is. Exactly. Anywhere you go, there it is. There's more dust, so there's no limit to where it can go. And we talked about, you know, the the brain dust that they were going to sprinkle into people. It's a bit more that you could inhale the dust by accident or whatever. And then just like that, you have the the government is GPS tracking your location everywhere you go. Yeah, and, you know, World Economic Forum, they have given talks about those sorts of things, getting under the skin and monitoring us that way. So this would be a perfect way to do that, potentially. Fact. They do talk about control. They say once billions of smart dust devices are deployed over an area, it would be difficult to retrieve or capture them if necessary. Billions over an area? I can't imagine how much that would cost. Because these things can't be cheap, even if they are 3D printed. And they are 3D printed. Yeah. I mean, at some point, you know, they the cost becomes you know, whatever the cost is, as long as they're getting the value of the use out of them that they want. Uh, well, I mean, if anything, the Crypto 6 case has shown that the government will waste countless amounts of money to achieve whatever bizarre aims they have, right? Yep. I mean, it doesn't matter to them. It's not their money. So what, what do they care if they spend, you know, $10 million, $15 million, $20 million? It's meaningless to them. Right. Yeah, the military always uh, has the money because, well, they don't earn it. They take it from people and spend it however the hell they want. And if they don't take it, they're busy inflating the currency in order to pay for this nonsense. And people get end up paying for it that way and not, not even realizing that they're paying for the inflation in the process or paying for the wars in the process. But That's in, why we're advocates of cryptocurrency, because it can't be inflated. And that is largely how the government pays for nonsense like this. In the same realm of why, why we would you know be afraid of governments having control of this, we should also be afraid of rogue individuals controlling this. Uh, Given how small the dust particles are, it would be challenging to detect them if you weren't made aware of their presence. The volume of smart dust that could be engaged by a rogue individual, company, or government to do harm would make it challenging for the authorities to control if necessary, or anybody else to control. I'm ad-libbing here. I mean, it sounds like it would be impossible, right? After the raid, a lot of people were concerned that my house was bugged or whatever. And when one guy wanted to come through with a bug sweeper or whatever, and they're like, it's silly. It's silly to do that because you could never be certain that you got them all. And, you know, there's no no reason to think that they they bugged my house while they were there or whatever. I mean, they could have gotten a visa warrant. That's one of these secret warrants or something like that to do it. But it's silly. It would be purposeless without purpose. And again, you you can never be sure that you got them all. So from, from the moment of that raid, hell, prior to the raid, everyone had to operate under the assumption that the place was bugged. Yep. And that's just good standard practice. Yep. And none of that changes because cameras can now be the speck of dust. We, we live in a surveillance society. We have to assume at all times that hostile actors are spying on us because they probably are. Well, and we know just even from the government's own uh, rules, uh, as they've put them forth, that 
they have access to all of our cell phones, yep. our cameras, our speakers, our microphones. Uh, at their behest, they can go to any cell phone company and say, hey, we're the FBI. We need to look at this or we need to see this or we need to turn this camera on or this phone on, even though it's off. So we're already sort of being surveilled at the most minute level by carrying around these devices in our pockets every day, these magic rectangles, as I call them. Sure, but I mean, you could throw those in fairway bags and things like that that, you know, block these black yeah. bags that, mm-hmm. you know, just completely seal off all of their contact with the outside world. But even so, you can't be sure that the person you're talking to isn't, you know, a hostile actor or that they haven't planted a bug on you without your knowledge or whatever because they do these sorts of things and there's no escaping it. That's how out of control and unaccountable the government and its agents are. They do whatever they want and there's no accountability within them if they do something wrong. They investigate themselves and clear themselves of any wrongdoing. So uh, the article asks, what should you do to prepare? Which I think is a fair question. Because I think no matter, no matter what we say about it, um, you know, it's coming, whether we want it to or not. The entities who have led the development of smart dust technology since 1992 uh, are corporations such as General Electric, Cargill, IBM, Cisco Systems, and more, who have invested in research for smart dust and viable applications, believe this technology will be disruptive to economies and our world. At the moment... Many of the applications for smart dust are still in the concept stage. In fact, Gartner listed smart dust technology for the first time in its Gartner hype cycle in 2016. While the technology has forward momentum, there's still quite a bit to resolve before you will see it impacting your organizations. However, it's important to pay attention to its trajectory of growth because it's no longer the fodder of science fiction. We well, it hasn't been the it hasn't been the subject of science fiction in like two decades, and that's that's sort of the thing. There's this huge gap between what the upper echelons of government and the up, upper tiers of the military can do, and what the public is aware they can do. Well, and we know it's a question of when, not if, right? This technology yeah. is already underway. It's already you know in testing phases and you know application trials, that kind of a thing. So it is definitely coming. Uh, what we do about it is the real question. Do you have any suggestions on what we can do about it? I mean, I think we have to accept it as a tool, just like everything else. You know, the, like I, I used the hammer analogy earlier in the segment or in the previous segment. Uh, you know, when hammers first came out, were people afraid of hammers? You know, was there like, oh, I don't want the hammer around my kid? You know, stuff like that. But eventually people learned to use a hammer to build things instead of just hit people with that kind of a thing. Sure. I, I think, though, you know, on on the sort of the evil side, you potentially used for bad purposes, I've got to believe that somebody's going to develop countermeasures. Yes. Right? I mean, we as human beings, if nothing else, are creative and have the ability to combat these sorts of things. We certainly do. And, you know, I look forward to seeing that orange race. I would feel a lot more comfortable about the entire thing if there wasn't a government that could abuse this technology. Like corporations, I feel like they can be reined in by the free market and stuff like that. But government, there is no counterbalance to it. It can do what it wants and it does whatever it wants. There is more coming up here from ForkFest 2022. We are here. Come on down for the mini golf com- tournament. Coming up tomorrow, it is Free Talk Live.
It is Free Talk Live from Rogers Campground here in the beautiful White Mountains of New Hampshire. And get them while you can, truthsmacks.com. I received an email from Susan today letting us know that they are discontinuing, she is discontinuing Truth Smacks at some point in the near future. Uh, when we had her on, she talked about her past of, you know, teaching out there in, uh, I want to say it was Viet- South Vietnam or South Korea. It was one of those two. I don't remember the specifics now, but she did tell us about that. Evidently, she's decided to go back to doing that. Hmm. So she's still got some supply. I'm sure go to truthsmacks.com to check them out. There are two varieties, the original flavor and the peppermint infused. So check them out. And it comes in two different sizes. That's truthsmacks.com. I'm going to have to stock up so I can keep smacking my friends with the truth. Yeah, well, or, you know, get her permission to take up the mantle yourself, right? I mean, those are the options here. So I want to tell you about this upcoming thing. Uh, do, if anyone remembers the Judge Whitmer kidnapping case, it was basically the FBI plotting to kidnap Governor Whitmer, <laughs> along with like a handful of people who weren't FBI agents. Right, and they got like one guy who was uh, obviously stupid to like you know be the patsy and do their bidding, and and then they look, we busted this guy. Yes, uh, they they brought, they got him really really high apparently, and got him you know drunk and talkative and saying stupid stuff, and that was how they conceived this plot to kidnap Governor Whitner. And the whole thing was insane. Uh, two of the people were acquitted, I think, because they in charge they in total they charged four people. And I think two people were acquitted because they decided that the FBI basically entrapped them by you know plying them with drugs and alcohol and all of that kind of nonsense. And the other two had a mistrial, a hung jury, if I recall correctly, which means that, you know, if the government wants to, they could, you know, retry them again. And that's evidently what they're going to do. A judge has ordered a new trial for two accused Whitmer kidnapping plotters. Isn't there something supposed to protect people from that? Well, it doesn't count for hung juries for whatever reason. You would think so, right? What does the size of their package have to do with their ability to be a jury? What? (laughs) Hung jury? (laughs) Well, a hung jury is a terminology, you know, that means when a jury can't reach a unanimous decision, they oh, are hung oh, out. I yeah. thought I thought they were commenting on the size of their, you know, genitalia. Right, they they were not. Right. But a fed, I'm surprised that a federal judge can reorder a trial to happen. I assumed it was federal prosecutors who had to do that. But a federal judge on Thursday ordered two men accused of plotting to kidnap Governor Whitmer to stand trial again nearly three months after jurors failed to reach a unanimous verdict on their guilt or innocence. And that's they have to be they they have their one chance, in my opinion, to prove you guilty beyond the shadow of a reasonable doubt or whatever the terminology is. If they fail to do that, a a hung jury, in my opinion, should be regarded as a as a verdict of not guilty. I agree. And I agree. You shouldn't be allowed. They shouldn't be allowed to retry you until they get the result they want. Simply because, I mean, they failed to prove their case beyond a reasonable doubt. By definition, they did not convince twelve people. So yeah. why do they get another shot at this? Just another illustration that the entire system is a farce. There is no justice. There is no fairness. It is freedom if you can afford it, and if you can't, you're just screwed. Absolutely. So it's screwed up 
prosecutors pushed to hold new trials. Apparently, prosecutors did push for it. So, uh, pr- presumably, prosecutors do have to say, hey, look, we want to try this person again, and a judge has to okay it. That, that's what I would have assumed the process was, and evidently, that's about right. They pushed to hold new trials for Grand Rapids resident Adam Fox, and I think we're on in Grand Rapids, Michigan. So, Adam Fox, if you're listening, give us a call. Well, you can't. Uh, give us a call Sunday night, 603-283-6160. And Delaware trucker Barry Croft, after two of their alleged co-conspirators in the plot were found not guilty, which is going to that's going to look good for them in in the next jury trials. Right? Look, the other two guys were found not guilty. The last one was just a hung jury. So let, let's get this over with. Get us out of here. Let us get on with our lives. It's certainly not going to look bad for them that the others were found not guilty. Assistant U.S. Attorney Attorney Nils Kessler argued during the Thursday afternoon hearing that the evidence against the two remaining defendants was enough for a conviction. But it wasn't because they didn't get a conviction. They got a hung jury. It's... I'm sure they have some sort of legal reasoning that they use in order to justify this sort of nonsense. Oh, well, this technically isn't, you know, double jeopardy because of whatever reason. But no, this is clearly unconstitutional. It's the government repeatedly trying these people until they get the results they want. Even circumstantial and slight evidence is enough to prove conspiracy, Kessler told the judge, because the bar of requirement to convict someone of conspiracy is so freaking low. Uh, they, they just basically have to approve, prove that two people had a conversation at some point. Right. Yeah. And it that's a conspiracy. Yeah. And that's, that's what they're saying. You know, all you need is circumstantial evidence to secure a, a conviction for a conspiracy. And that, to me, is further proof that this entire system is insane well, and by that definition the entire structure of governments around the world is also a conspiracy yeah but see the, the rules don't apply to them oh, because right. they're the government right both defense teams earned the ju- urged the judge to toss the charges in a case that had been dogged by controversy and scandal. The defense has raised questions about the FBI's conduct and use of informants, including the indictment of rogue FBI informant Stephen Robeson on a gun crime. So apparently one of their own agents went rogue, and he was one of the you know key witnesses for the prosecutor. The defense alleged that the FBI agents and informants had orchestrated the kidnapping conspiracy and entrapped the men. And indeed, the previous jury agreed in at least half of the examples. And then on the other two, they couldn't decide. So they failed to get their you know, conviction. I think it's an acquittal. I think an acquittal is the right thing to do, said one attorney. The other said, a rational jury, in my view, could still rule against Mr. Fox, rule against Mr. Croft. No, this was the judge. We will need to have another jury Weigh the evidence. And what, what happens if this is, you know, a hung jury as well? Are they just going to continually try these two people until they finally get the conviction they so desire? I think we know the answer to that. Seems that way. I would hope at some point a judge would be like, hey, look, no, like, I'm no fan of the legal system or the federal government. But I have to say, Judge LaPlante, LaPlante who was the judge in the Crypto 6 case, has proven himself to be remarkably fair and open-minded. I, I have to imagine someone like him would, be, would say, hey, no, look, you, you've had your chance to convict these people. You failed denying you a second trial. And much less a third or a fourth or whatever. And I, I think even your average federal judge is as evil as the average judge is. And again, LaPlante has proven that he's way beyond the threshold of the average judge would say, look, no, look, you've had your shots at this point. You, you can't do it. You don't have a case against these people and you're not going to secure a conviction against them. 
But as he walked the attorneys through the rationale and case law for his decision, the judge said he understood the defendant's perspective that their cases should be dismissed. But the argument did not hold weight from a legal perspective, he said. I completely understand the practical forces of that argument, but the law doesn't support the practical urge, except it does because of the Constitution and one's right to not be tried twice for the same crime. And that's literally what this is. Yeah, the double jeopardy and all that kind of thing. So these men were at their defense tables, again dressed in orange prison jumpsuits, no longer wearing the button-down shirts. So were they re-arrested or something? What is going on here? Why are they back in prison awaiting trial when previously they were wearing button-down shirts and ties? Are they, are they really being held pending the results of this second trial? They, they want to humiliate them and pressure them and all sorts of other things. There is more coming up here from Fort Fest 2022. It is Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live from Rogers Campground here in the beautiful White Mountain 70, New Hampshire. Evidently, two weddings taking place here this weekend. One down there at the bottom of the hill, I think in the bowl. And I think the first one is taking place in the pavilion up here at the top of the hill because I noticed they were they were washing that out, sort of mopping it. And it's outdoors, so it wasn't really mopping. It was just throwing some water down and scrubbing and pushing things aside. So I imagine that's where the first one is taking place. It seems silly to do that a day in advance considering all of those leaves and dirt and stuff is going to come back. But we are here at ForkFest 2022. That's ForkFest.part if you want to come down and hang out with us. You can take part in the first ever Acocalypse mini golf tournament <laughs> here at Rogers Campground. Uh, there's a $10 entry fee. This is because you it's $6 per person at Rogers Campground. So, you know, 60% of that goes just to buy your golf ball or whatever. The other $4 is going to a, fri- a prize pool where winner takes all, whoever has the lowest score, because we're not tracking this like one under par or two under par, any of that nonsense, because we just don't care that much. Right. We're just writing down your total number of strokes, and the one with the lowest number wins. As you, that's, that tends to be how golf works anyway. We're just omitting the negative numbers right. from the equation. Right. So check it out, ForkFest.Party, if you want to hang out with us. It's going to be a great time. Hey, it occurs to me that if there's two weddings going on here, that uh, if any of the, uh, the single men are looking for single ladies, generally there are single ladies at weddings who, you know, they're in the mood because they're at a wedding. And so they're looking for, you know, somebody to be their significant other. Also, it occurs to me, if there's going to be two wedding receptions that an opportunistic person might be able to crash. Well, the, the wedding receptions may not be here. They could be off-site. But, I mean, you're absolutely sure. right for for any single... Because there are a lot of single men in the libertarian community. So, like, here's your opportunity. It's super easy. I mean, w- women at weddings are like, women, are like cop wives, right? Like, it's an easy target. You almost can't screw it up. So check it out, ForkFest.Party. We are here until July the 3rd. We're talking here about the Whitmer case and these last two people who are now being sent to trial again. That's Fox and Croft. They had requests to be free. They made those requests two months ago in late April. And it came after jurors deadlocked following a 20-day trial in the largest domestic terrorism case in recent U.S. history. Two others were acquitted. 
Defense lawyers spent months raising questions about FBI agent conduct and contending that a team of investigators and informants orchestrated the conspiracy and entrapped the four men, a ragtag band of social outcasts who harbored anti-government views and anger over COVID-19-related restrictions imposed by Whitmer early in the pandemic. That seems like a, an odd description. Right? How, do they, how do they know those things? Or, or the ragtag? Yeah. Yeah. Social outcasts? I mean, they always describe people like this yeah. in this kind of situation in those ways. Well, it sounds like the defense attorneys pa- painted them this way. Because, you know, it's, it's the social outcasts that are the easiest ones to target. Those gotcha. are the ones the FBI go after gotcha. to try to entrap. So I think it was the defense attorneys making that particular argument. The evidence presented at trial, even when viewed in the light most favorable to the prosecutors, and they said government here, and I just want to reiterate that the prosecutors are the government, because this is what federal attorneys do. They refer to the prosecutors as the government, and they refer to the judge as the courts, and they lose sight of the reality that, no, they're both government. The prosecutors and the judge are both on the same team. They both get their paycheck from the same freaking place. And it's very rare, it's not impossible, but it's very rare that you can have an actual federal judge who isn't playing for the government. They're, they're un- capable of being unbiased enough. It should be a conflict of interest by definition. It, well, by definition, it is a conflict of interest. It just want, it's one that everyone turns a blind eye to for whatever reason. So the evidence presented at trial, even when viewed in the light most favorable to the prosecutors, did not establish that there was an agreement between Adam Fox and any of the other defendants to kidnap the government or to purchase and use a, quote, weapon of mass destruction in furtherance of that kidnapping. A government agent or informant cannot be a conspirator. Following Jonker, this is the judge's name is Jonker, like literally one letter away from being Joker. <laughs> so I mean, the N is silent, right? <laughs> Gibbons, that was another one. Of the attorney said he was not surprised by the ruling. Asked whether the second jury could be should be made aware of the not guilty verdicts in the first trial. He said it was up to the judge to decide. I figured it would be up to the defense attorneys to, to decide. I mean, you can present your defense however you want, and it looks good if half of the people who have been tried alongside you have already been found not guilty. That's evidence in your favor, and it should be used allowed in a federal courtroom, not, not at the discretion of a judge. But to me, it doesn't matter, said Gibbons. The evidence is what the evidence is. During the first trial, Harris was acquitted of possessing an unregistered destructive device, but deadlocked on the same charge against Croft. Whatever an unregistered destructive device is, presumably a homemade bomb or some of some sort. Croft is entitled to an acquittal because the judge jury determined either the device was not a destructive device or Mr. Harris did not know that the device was a destructive device. So he either had a bomb and didn't know it or the bomb he had was in fact not a bomb. Croft's lawyer wrote in a later a late April filing, it is not possible to logi- logically determine which conclusion the jury reached, but either one entitles Mr. C- Mr. Croft to an attorney. So these people are being held without bail, as far as I can tell, and now they're facing a second trial. It seems to me like if you're found, if you, if you end up with a hung jury and you're not convicted, the, the very least they could do is let you out to be free on bail pending the the government's repeated attempts to prosecute you. That, that seems like the bare minimum they could do here is, you know, not hold these people in jail. Kessler countered during the hearing that the evidence showed both defendants had clearly expressed their desire to kidnap the governor. Well, 
maybe they expressed that desire, but that doesn't mean that they did anything to act on that desire. And I, I'm not sure I believe the government that they expressed that desire. It's probably just a bunch of stoners sitting around, half of whom are FBI agents, saying, man, it'd be nice to kidnap the governor. And then you have one of these other people who aren't FBI informants going, yeah, man, that'd be cool. Yeah, this sort of sounds a lot like thought crime. It is very similar. I mean, that's what conspiracy essentially is, right, is thought crime. I mean, if they were guilty of kidnapping the governor, then they would be charged with that. Or guilty of attempting to kidnap the governor, they would be charged with that. Yeah, but just the term thought crime, it it has seeped into at least the discourse in the United States of America. And and the term is a bogus term, right? You... Thoughts are not a crime. You can have all the thoughts that you would like to have uh, to yourself, by yourself, from yourself. Your imagination can run wild. And uh, as long as there are no victims, you've not hurt anybody's property, you've not hurt any other individuals, you have done no crime. That's how it should be, right? But that's not how it works here in the United States. And it was the RICO acts and all of which RICO, I think, pertains particularly to a certain type of crimes related to drugs or yep. or uh, organized crime or something like that. But ever since you know those rulings came out, thought crime has been a thing where if two people sit around and they 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 talk about how fun, jokingly perhaps about kidnapping the government governor, and one of them jokingly goes out and buys a series of handcuffs. Suddenly, they're both being charged with conspiracy, and it's easy, as the attorney, the prosecutors pointed out here, it's easy for them to get a conviction because they can use circumstantial evidence in order to secure these convictions, and in in most cases circumstantial evidence is thrown out or it's it's given d- decreased weight because yeah. it's circumstantial i remember hearing stories of people like like growing up of people who would uh, you know sort of threaten the president like you have free speech until you threaten the president and then if you do that they're coming for you then they're going to kick down your doors and arrest you and you know take you off to lord knows where well, it has to be a clear and actionable threat, as I understand. It has to be a threat that one actually can act upon and will act upon. You, like if I were to say, man, I'm, I'm going to kill you. No one would take that seriously. It wouldn't be considered an actual actionable threat because, one, I have no desire to act upon it. Two, I have no means with which to act upon it. So then the question is, is did these guys uh, in the conspiracy against Whitmer, did they fulfill that criteria? Uh, the last jury didn't seem to think so. But, uh, you know, the prosecutors are going to do what they want to do, and the government's going to do what it's going to do. So it's going to conv- continue, evidently, trying these people until it gets the results they want. There is more coming up here from Fort Fest 2022. It is Free Talk Live. It is Free Talk Live from Rogers Campground here in the beautiful White Mountains of New Hampshire. I want to tell you about Freedoms Phoenix. That's Freedoms with an X, three S. Freedoms with an S, Phoenix.com. Stay up to date on government overspending, government overreach, and just tyranny across the board at Freedoms with an X, Phoenix.com. That's FreedomPhoenix.com. As we mentioned, you know, they were distributing actual newspapers here at the Porcupine Freedom Festival while Ernie Hancock was here. Who does the show? Declare your independence with Ernie Hancock or Ernest Hancock. That's the actual URL, and I love giving him crap about that because it's like, declare your independence with ErnestHancock.com. 
That's the actual website. Rolls right off the tongue. It does. Freedomsphoenix.com. Again, that's freedoms with an S. Phoenix.com to stay up to date from a libertarian perspective on everything that's happening in the world. That's freedomsphoenix.com. Speaking of everything happening in the world, it's easy for us to not be aware of this, but apparently the worst version of COVID yet is spreading. The doomsday variant. That's what I'm waiting on. I want the oh. doomsday variant. Get, just go ahead and get it. Give us the Omega variant and let, let all the people who are going to die, die. And then let us get back to our lives. Except we already mostly got back to our lives. I got back to my life. I never put my life on hold. But Yahoo News is asking, can we update our vaccines in time? For the last 18 months, the original COVID-19 vaccines, first as a two-dose series, then as boosters, had done an extraordinary job shielding us from illness, hospitalization, and death. The heck it has. I have much stronger words for that, but I can't say them on radio. Well, when you're operating under a religious belief, like that the vaccine is a magical show, the vaccine, from what I can tell, is like the, it's the pandemic equivalent of the magic underwear that Mormons wear. It magically protects them. They don't know how. They can't explain how, but they believe it does, and therefore it does. Globally, the vaccine saved nearly 40, uh, 20 million lives in 2021 alone. They don't know it's, that. They have absolutely it's no data to back that up with. Yeah, you're absolutely right, Big Kahuna. It is 100% unprovable. They did provide a link here, but there, there's no way the link can demonstrate that. They could speculate that. Even today, unvaccinated Americans are twice as likely as vaccinated Americans to test positive for COVID-19 and six times as likely to die from the disease. So it, so the vaccines, by, by their own metrics here, are only, they only cut your likelihood of getting COVID-19 by 50%. They're only 50% effective. If un, unless I'm misunderstanding how math works. Mm-hmm. If unvaccinated people are twice as likely to catch COVID as the vaccinated, it's either 50% effective or 66% effective. I don't know which. It depends on how the actual probabilities are being yeah, stacked here. Yeah, that's about right. But it's one of the two, right? It's, uh, whether it's 66% effective or 50% effective, that's not effective enough for me to be willing to take it. Just no. take my risks with COVID-19. And only six times as likely to die from the disease. Again, that's like, what, 12, 13 percent times six, 70, 80 percent effective, something along those lines. Not as effective as one would like a a untested vaccine to be. You know, that proves the point, in in my opinion, that. I won't even call it the vaccine because the traditional vaccine definition means you basically won't get it. That is what it traditionally means. Like if I had the smallpox vaccine and I get expo- exposed to smallpox, my body is going to, you know, use that vaccination to go, oh, we know how to fight this and it's going to fight it off and destroy it long before I ever actually get sick. Like on contact, it's going to destroy smallpox. But with COVID-19, that, that's just not how it works for some reason. It makes us a little bit better at fighting the vaccine, the virus, but evidently not even that much better. And on top of that, people like Fauci took Paxlovid, which is the the five day antiviral drug, and he got sicker yeah. as a result of and that he'd garbage. And he been uh, vaccinated and boosted. 
or yes. given the, the shot and boosted. And vaccinations, the, the theory behind them is pretty simple. It's just supposed to prompt your body to create the antibodies against a thing before you get it. That's right. That's right. And so, you know, to say that follow the science and, and all this crap that surrounded the COVID-19 vaccines is, is just completely false because it is the least scientific thing that has existed as far as government mandated health care is concerned. Yeah, they just proclaim things and then people believe it. That That's essentially it. Viruses evolved, though, and vaccines should, too. And this was my entire point. This was the point all libertarians made. It's like, hey, you know, a few years ago, you could not vaccinate against the common cold because it evolves too quickly for you to be able to do it. And then COVID-19, a version of the cold came along and like, oh, no, we could totally do it now. This changes everything. Operation Warp Speed. Yeah, but clearly that didn't work. The viruses continue to evolve and the vaccines did not keep up. That was the big takeaway, the big picture takeaway from a pivotal meeting this week of the U.S. Food and Drug Administration's expert advisory panel. Well, don't worry. They've convened their best experts and their oh. best experts well, are I feel talking. so much better now. The science is settled. You shall not uh, deviate from the science. The question before them was simple. Ahead of an expected winter surge, I mean, it's July the 1st here, it? it's barely summertime at this point. Well, they expected the, the winter of death this past winter because of all the people who didn't get the vaccine, their, their shots against the COVID, and what happened? Nothing. Nothing happened. It was fine. Everything was fine, but they're, now they're saying it again. Ahead of an expected winter surge where the flu is going to be mysteriously absent again, should vaccine manufacturers tweak their forthcoming booster shots to target Omicron, the ultra-infectious variant that has spent the last seven months surging throughout the world in one form or another, or should they stick with the tried-and-true, tried-and-true 2020 recipe? How about, how about the tried-and-true natural immunity? That's worked just fine you know, for me. You know, I, I vote for that. That's what I'm banking on. I've had COVID, and, and I know that. I, I, did it. I have, too. I did not get tested, but I lost my sense of smell and taste for yeah. like seven weeks. And that's like, yes, you had COVID at that point, right? And I haven't had it since. No, did, me neither. Oh, and I, I don't think I've even been sick since. Versus people like Pestilence, a.k.a. Mark Edge of the show, who has gotten at least the Johnson & Johnson and either the Pfizer or the Moderna and may or may not have gotten boosted on top of that. Yeah. I, I don't know all of the specifics, but he's he's been sick repeatedly this year. And claims he has what's known as long COVID. Yes. Which, like, okay, that's weird because I'm pretty sure he and I got sick at the same time from the same source. And, yeah. you know, I realized... People's bodies are different, so maybe it affects him differently than me, but also maybe because he got boosted, he's having additional symptoms because he got boosted after having the COVID. And nobody has done any research as to what happens to your body if you get uh, the shot or the boost after you've already had it and gotten over it naturally. Certainly not, because, I mean, that brings up a lot of awkward conversations for them, right? I mean, if you didn't get vaccinated and you got COVID, you were supposed to drop dead in the streets or whatever. And it turns out not a whole lot of people actually drop dead in the streets. But it, it is peculiar how COVID, the, the, the same person, we believe, got all of us at Free Talk Live sick. Everyone who got sick, we believe, got it from Michael Hampton, mm -hmm. who tested positive and was in and out of hospitals at the time. So it's understandable yeah. that, you know, he wouldn't become infected with COVID-19. And he brought it to the studio, as far as we can tell, and infected the rest of us. 
other than, you know, some fatigue and some soreness for about one day, the only symptom I had was the loss of smell and taste, which persisted for seven to eight weeks. It persisted a really long time, whereas you only experienced that for like a week or two. Well, I had one week of bad symptoms where it was very flu-like. Um, I had the sweats, the cold flashes, uh, the high fever. I was nauseous. I couldn't really eat much of anything. I was dehydrated. I was having to drink a bunch of water. I was basically out of commission for a week. I stayed away for two weeks just to make sure I wasn't going to give it to anybody. And I did lose my sense of taste for a good, I mean, maybe almost a week. I remember your text about that because I assumed you were joking. You were like, you made this awesome cocktail or whatever. You sat down to have a drink and you couldn't taste it. I was like, yeah. You're, you're joking, right? And you're like, nope, dead serious. Like, oh, man, that's going to make things a little difficult going forward. Because yeah. at the time, at the time, Free Talk Live was just barely clinging to, I mean, it was right on the edge of chaos. Yes. So it, it was not a fun time for us to get infected. And of course, you know, people are convinced that the FBI brought us COVID-19. But no, Maybe. we all got sick a few weeks after that. And, you know, we know that Michael Hampton tested positive for COVID-19. To me, the most logical, and I mean, the most logical logical solution was that, you know, he just got it being in and out of hospitals. But it does vary from one person to the next. And who knows what variant we had, if indeed we had any of the variants. This panel voted 19 to 2 on Tuesday in favor of Omicron boosters. Because, you know, that's how science works. Just put it to a vote. It, it's insane to me that these same people are going to trust the science. Like, they, they democratically determined the science. I'd like to know who the two... The People two dissenters were? Yeah, because I, I give them a round of applause. And so now the question is, which version of Omicron the next round of shots could target? So it's not just Omicron. They have to pick a specific version of it. It's insane. There's more coming up here. It is Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live from Rogers Campground in the beautiful White Mountains of New Hampshire. The sun is out again, and it's a bit hot, but the breeze is absolutely perfect. Of course, I am sitting partially in the sun, and that's that's not the best place to actually sit when you're out here at a campground in the middle of the summer, but it is what it is. With you today, it's Aria. Big Kahuna. And the Reverend Captain Kickass. And we're talking about this panel that recently voted, because you know, that's how, demo- that's how science is decided now, by Democratic vote. 19 to 2 on Tuesday in favor of Omicron boosters. And, of course, the question now is which version of Omicron the next round of shots should target. Now, I thought the reason that these that the vaccine against COVID-19 was unique and would actually work against a cold was because of these spike proteins that were specific to COVID-19. And the way they worked was they targeted any virus that had those spike proteins. The argument was, yes. COVID-19 will continue to evolve and all of that stuff, but as long as it has this characteristic that is the spike protein, these vaccines will still be able to recognize it and do something about it. That doesn't seem to still be the case, though, because the, the Omicron variant, as far as I'm aware, still has these spike proteins that are specific to COVID-19. 
So Yahoo News says, for anyone who hasn't been paying attention, that's a bold statement from the mainstream media, whose primary job it is to keep people from paying attention, to feed them lies and other BS. Mm -hmm. The Omicron strain that triggered last winter's massive COVID wave is now extinct. That was BA.1. I don't know what massive COVID wave they're talking about. I I didn't experience that. In March, it was supplanted by the even more transmissible BA.2, which was supplanted in May by the even more transmissible BA.2.12.1. It's starting to sound like a World of Warcraft patch at well, this point. Well, and it sounds like software, too. And one of the crazy things is uh, when the, hmm, the what they're calling the vaccine uh, was first... Uh, you know, sort of publicized. Yeah. We did some research here on Free Talk Live to discover that, uh, in fact, what it is, is it is a platform, a programmable platform. Uh, and so it's curious to me that they treat these versions in the same way they treat versions of software. Sure. So version BA.2.12.1 is now being supplanted by the even more transmissible BA.4 BA. and BA.5. I thought the whole argument about Omicron was, yes, it's more easily transmissible, but it's less potent. So you're not going to get as sick. Like if there was a strain of COVID, every, each one of these strains is presumably, if they're telling the truth, and they're probably not, is more transmissible than previous versions. That's my understanding. I mean, it's just another coronavirus, the, the common cold, and that's how we basically handle the common cold. I mean, everybody knows that it's extremely transmissible. Very few people, I I think actually die from it as a percentage of the population. Yeah, I don't know of anyone who's ever died from ju- just the plain ordinary cold, and not too many more people honestly have died from COVID nineteen. Considering we we still can't ascertain whether or not people died of the flu or COVID nineteen. A lot of these deaths written down as COVID nineteen could very well have been the flu because the tests that they were using could not tell the difference between the flu and COVID nineteen. Experts say that BA.5 is the one to worry about, the most transmissible version, and presumably the least potent of all of them. The worst version of the virus that we've seen, said Dr. Eric Topol, the founder of Scripps Research Translational Institute. Together, the closely related BA.4 and BA.5 now account for the majority of new U.S. COVID cases. Oh, God, no. But BA.5 is spreading a lot faster. By early July, it will be the dominant strain in the U.S. Where are these sick people so, at? Yeah. So, like every, like a lot of things in society, everything nowadays has to be extreme, and each one of these new variants is more extreme. Uh, it's going to hurt us more. And the way I'm reacting is like to the boy that cried wolf. Yes. Each time these things get ramped up and nothing happens, I mean, when are people going to wake up? That's a great question. I've been asking when people are going to wake up for quite some time, and the only people that I can find that seem to be awake uh, have migrated to places like New Hampshire, where there is a movement of freedom-oriented people who are gathering together to try and make a difference. I just want to know what sick people they're talking about. Like, like we just attended the Porcupine Freedom Festival, which had close to or more than 3,000 people here, and not a single sick person in sight. Not a one. And I haven't heard any reports of a single sick person since then. I have family all throughout the United States. None of them are talking about, you know, tons of sick people. It's July. No one's sick in July, except presumably these kids who, as we talked about a few weeks ago on the show, their immune systems were just wrecked. 
because instead of being out there this past winter catching the flu and the cold and all this other stuff, Mm -hmm. they weren't out there. They were locked in their homes instead, and now they're catching those viruses that they didn't get, you know, six months ago, and they're catching them all at once. They're getting both the flu and and pneumonia and the cold all at once because they didn't catch them incrementally over the winter. There was a little, like, one-day sort of cold thing that went through... You know the the free talk live studio, but that's the but only. That was the pestilence, though. Yeah, that's the only. By which I mean that was Mark and his his screwed up genes from getting the COVID nineteen <laughs> vaccine, making that's the everyone only thing else sick. Close to a sickness that that I've uh, you know seen since COVID. See, and I you know hung out with Mark a lot. Then and I did the show. Then I didn't get sick at all. Yeah. So I I don't know. I don't know. Maybe you were just in, in too close proximity to the well, spike proteins that he was it. shedding. Just other folks oh. got it. So well, they I, were well, they were yeah. in the house with him. So like he left spike proteins everywhere, yeah. and that's what got these other people sick. I'm guessing. Mark, we love you, but you have become the pestilence. That's troublesome for several reasons. Of course, the the BA.5 spreading faster to our immune system. The distance from BA.1. Oh, good Lord, they continue on with this. To BA.4 and BA.5 is far greater than... Oh, good God, they just keep going on with this. What, what, this is this is a tragedy that this is how the mainstream media is now attempting to spread COVID fear because they became neuter. They became unable to spread fear about COVID-19. Americans just stopped caring. I think the BA in, in all of these versions stands for blatantly authoritarian. It, it can't stand for anything that's actually useful. So they go on here, this obscenely long article here from Yahoo News, very little of which is actually useful. It's just a lot of, this is this is why BA.5 is 17.6% worse than BA.4, which is 37% worse than BA.1.2.2. And all of this other nonsense is absolutely insane. They're like, it's got an aggressive new, this is actual quote. It's got a accelerating evolution an aggressive new trajectory toward greater transmissibility evasiveness and possible pathogenicity it could cause significant reinfections and disruptions if not addressed they're pulling this crap in july when we're all looking around not seeing anyone that's sick like what the hell are these people talking about do they really expect it to work i think the answer is yes i mean I don't think it's going to work, though. I think they're wrong. I think they've overplayed their hand. And the monkeypox failed to get people afraid. It's, it's July now, so it's no longer Pride Month. So we'll be seeing more from monkeypox going forward. But that didn't, that didn't get people to be afraid. And that, that I think, was the, the next pandemic they were trying to play. And that, that didn't work because people are just burned out on all of this I, I, nonsense. I mean, I, I, I agree with you overall. But there still are some people, even here in New Hampshire. I, uh, yesterday morning, I was downtown at the coffee shop person walked in full on mask so i mean there's still people that it works oh, up on. here in the mountains oh yeah sure? I mean, wow. it, 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 it was hard to, hard to believe but i saw it the thing that worries me the most is that if their fear tactics uh become no longer effective on the masses of people then that means violence is coming because governments only have one tool that they use to accomplish anything and that is coercion the threat and fear of violence and then the actual delivery of violence so that's the only tool they have in their toolbox to do anything so if their propaganda no longer works their brainwashing no longer works their fear-mongering no longer works that means the violence is coming 
And I suspect they, they realize that they are out of time and that threats are no longer enough because, I mean, look, look at the economic situation that we're in and think about the, the true ramifications of all of the printing, the supply chain shortages, the, the food shortages and all this other stuff coming to a head over the next several months because it is going to come to a head. And I, I tend to think governments overplayed their hands and now they're about to have to just go all in because that's the only, that's the only move they have left. There's more coming up here from ForkFest. It is Free Talk Live. It's Free Talk Live from Rogers Campground here in the beautiful White Mountains of New Hampshire. And apparently I was mistaken the other day. We may just not be streaming to YouTube and Facebook at the moment. I, I looked on the Free Talk Radio YouTube channel. I had not see anything from like from several weeks ago. So we may just not be streaming there. We may be suspended or whatever because that yeah. happens to us quite a lot. I used to get notified about the Facebook ones. and it, I, I, I We're not streaming to Facebook right now. I, I can, I'm okay. certain of that. And that's because I'm currently on like a another 40-day suspension where I can't go live. Right, and the, right. the Free Talk Live YouTube channel goes live through, through my yours, Facebook account. Right, yeah. So if I can't go live, then neither. But so who cares, right? And this is all because I said some things during Pride Month that upset some people. You know, about, all about how a person should take pride in accomplishments and not characteristics. And the, the entire LGBTQ argument is that people are born that way, right? And yet, then they want to take pride in that. So they they want to be they want to take pride in the circumstances of their birth. And as far as I can tell, there's no difference between that and being proud to be born that you're white. Although I have to say, Arya, I'm not sure that I can believe that you would ever say something controversial or Never, that, right. that might upset people. I don't know how they construe that. I don't either, because like. I'm a trans person, and that was what I said. Like, I don't care if you're celebrating the fact that you you plan to take out the garbage and you achieved that, you accomplished that. That was your accomplishment. I'm not saying you got to you know bring down the government or or put a man on the moon or any of that other garbage. I'm just saying, set a goal, accomplish that goal, and take pride in that. But to take pride because you were born white or because you were born with genes that made you tall or genes with brown hair or blonde hair and blue eyes or whatever, right. to me that or because you're gay right. or because you were born trans to me that's all the same thing as people being proud over arbitrary reasons because they don't have any actual accomplishments to point to and say i'm proud of that that's what i did and that's what i'm proud of so it's like a participation trophy for life well and this it allows is, them to, to take pride in something despite not actually achieving anything and this is also a very accurate description of nationalism Yes. Right? Nationalism is the same coin. The the exact same thing. People take pride in accomplishments they had nothing to do with, you know, didn't help in any way, shape, or form, weren't part of, probably happened well before they were even born. But because they have accomplished so little in their life, they have to point to this this flag, this, you know, vague sense of thing that, like, I'm proud of this because I've not really done anything myself. You can pick out those people so easily because they think say things like America is the greatest nation on earth and things like that and you know it's 
it's frustrating to me to to end up getting banned for saying these obvious things on Facebook and other social media sites. Like, yes, if you're taking pride in the characteristics of your birth, you are no better than a white nationalist to me. You are basically just a racist. You're a sexist of a different stripe, I suppose. I don't know exactly how to put it, but I tend to get banned over that. And, I, you know, it's June. I said something like that last year. I didn't even say anything like that this year. I just let it ride to see what was going to happen because year after year every june facebook gives me some sort of suspension and they did it again this year and i didn't even say that this year i said it last year and the year before that and the year before that because this is a long-standing argument that i've been trying to make and each time people go wow that's a really good point i never thought about it ben probably one of those facebook memories it could be one of those, right, where someone reported it for, reported me for it last year, and right. now they're doing it again. Exactly. But we are definitely streaming on Odyssey, so check out our Odyssey channel. That's video.freetalklive.com. That'll take you directly to it. You can join a million other disaffected YouTube users who are just sick of being told what they can say and what they can't say. And if you don't want to do it in video form, you can join our social media server at social.freetalklive.com. And there, you can say controversial things without worrying about getting hit with the band hammer. That's social.freetalklive.com and our video platform over at on Odyssey at video. It's not our video fa- platform, our video channel over on Odyssey at video.freetalklive.com. Now, speaking of LGBTQ things, I normally don't talk about them, but I have this weird article here that got my attention. The straightest guy, Nick Fontes, says that, quote, having sex with women is gay and the Internet just can't with him. Now, this isn't the first time I've seen some, some weird statements from That's, straight people. We're like, you know, oral sex between male and female is gay because it, quote, puts the male into a submissive role or whatever. I've seen some bizarre claims from, like, straight wow. people who are terrified of being perceived as gay for, you know, being a man having sex with a woman. That Somehow, that's gay. I don't know how these people I, come up with this nonsense. That, it seems like complete nonsense to me. It sounds like he would be trolling, right? But evidently, he's not. Well, this is all this uh, particular... It's queerty.com, so they're coming at this from a leftist perspective. It's assuming they're telling the truth about this guy, and they're probably not. Extreme white, white nationalist commentator. He doesn't look like a white nationalist. He looks like he might be Iranian or possibly Greek, some some sort of Mediterranean, possibly, okay. or Iranian. He doesn't look like your average, uh, you know, Nick Fuentes, F-U-E-N-T-E-S. I have no idea how to pronounce that, but it's not your typical white nationalist name. So I don't know if this guy is a white nationalist or not. I'm assuming he's not because it's a leftist calling him a white nationalist. If there's anything I've learned, having been called a Nazi a fair number of times in my day, it's that, you know, they call you that if you just say something they don't like. So I'm assuming that he's not actually a white nationalist. However, he has a laundry list of deplorable views. He's questioned interracial marriages and whether the Holocaust took place. Praised Jim Crow era segregation laws and said that he would prefer it if women were not allowed to vote. It sounds like he's just trolling. I can't imagine anyone genuinely believing these things and trying to convince people that these things would be good. I mean, is trolling the new shock jock? Is that what what we're seeing here? I mean, uh, trolling has always been a shock jock sort of thing. And, you know, that that was why I ran for sheriff. It's trolling. And, you know, I am sort of the trans version of Howard Stern here on Free Talk Live, only we have to abide by FCC, whereas, you know, they had a video show that was more engaging, I suppose. You know, we don't have strippers and stuff in the LRN studio. At least not yet. yet. 
Yes, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so Fontes identifies as an involuntary celibate. There's no surprise there. And employed some incredible mental gymnastics to defend his incel identity after admitting he'd kissed a girl in high school. Some followers made the case that his former romantic success, look, kissing a girl in high school, I, I don't... Wow, that sounds really gay. It's <laughs> <laughs> certainly not romantic, romantic success. So they're fighting about whether or not he's actually an incel. Check this out. Some followers made the case that his former romantic success actually makes him voluntarily celibate. And uh, like like Queerty here, I can't believe anyone actually cares about the distinction. To me, that's surprising. They're arguing. They're saying you're not a true incel, and like that, like that's a mark against him. Is, is he trying to be proud of being an incel? I mean, it's all they have, right? They have to take pride in it, just like the white, just like the nationalists and the LGBTQ people. That's the one thing they have that makes them unique or distinct or. Unlike the average person, you know, it the the incel label is his version of I'm gay and proud of it. He's an incel and proud of it. I mean, there's something to be said for abstinence if you know you have goals, you know that uh, require that kind of a thing. But I, I mean, I don't know that that's something you want to like take pride in and announce. I mean, I'm for I'm all for individuality. You know, if that's what sure. he wants to profess and do, go ahead. There is more coming up here about this weird guy. It is Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live from Forkfest 2022 here in the beautiful White Mountains of New Hampshire. Forkfest number six. And I want to say thank you to David Itzy. He's tonight's amplifier. That means that David is a member of the AMPS program. You can find it at amps.freetalklive.com. David is a gold level member, which means that David is giving $10 per month to the program. Again, that's amps.freetalklive.com. We don't ask that much to join. All it takes is $5 per month. That gets you in. And you get access to a number of cool features like the AMP-only Facebook group. There's even an AMP-only version of the podcast. It stands for Advertise, Market, Promote, and Support. So if you value the show, the ideas of liberty, reaching a larger audience, you might consider joining the AMP's program. Again, that is amps.freetalklive.com. David Itzy, thank you so much for your contributions. We hope you're enjoying the show. And we hope to see you at ForkFest sometime. With you today is Aria. Big Kahuna. And the captain. And we're talking about this incel here. That's an involuntary celibate. It's a weird thing that happens like to dudes, right? Because so many of the Nazis and the white nationalists that I've you know encountered over the last decade or so, they were incels, or they began as incels. Well, and- incel, as you said. So is there a vol cell? Like if somebody decides they're going to be celibate for a while, well, that would just be a celibate, right? Like like a monk or something like that, or a priest. Well, priests are a celibate because they're you know banging little boys, but other than like other than that, yeah, that, that would just be celibate, right? That's my guess. So like I, okay, so that's the distinction. Also, uh, with the word celibate, it sounds a whole lot like sell a butt. <laughs> sure. I mean, it, well, like and on that note, if prostitution was legal, there wouldn't be any incels because these these guys who can't get laid, I don't know why they can't get laid. Maybe they're just socially awkward or whatever. Maybe they don't know how. 
but they, they could just go out and hire a prostitute, in which case a lot of their hatred would go away. A lot They become misogynist as a result of not getting laid, and they end up hating male to female trans people as a result of not getting laid. They end up hating LGBTQ people or anyone who's in a successful, happy relationship or who has sexual relationships. They hate them, and, and they're jealous, and they're bitter, and that drives them to white nationalism. I've seen it over and over throughout the years. I don't know why it happens. But it does seem to happen. This anti-LGBTQ personality known as Nick Fuentes, or I'm going to keep pronouncing it just differently every time I see it because Oof. I'm not good at my job and I didn't look up during the break how it was supposed to be Fuentes pronounced. Fuentes is a, uh, a Spanish name, if I'm, I'm not correct. Well, it's, it, it's spelled like Fuentes. That, that seems to be the most likely pronunciation. Okay. So he could also be Hispanic. Good point. He does look Hispanic as well. So, yeah. I mean... He, he just doesn't look like a white nationalist. I'm going to have to look him up at some point. I promise to do that during the break, except I'll probably forget about it, so don't hold me to that promise. Okay. But anyway, he's an anti-LGBTQ personality. He also apparently thought that his sexual orientation was being called into question, leading to his breathtaking argument that all sexual activity is gay. In a recent... <laughs> <laughs> I... I so in order to be straight, he must be an incel. I, I think this is the this is the mental gymnastics these people go through in order to convince themselves that no, being an incel, being involuntarily celibate is a good thing, right? He said, quote, gay people do date girls all the time. All these gay people are coming out and saying, I've had more girlfriends than Nick. <laughs> I've had sex with more girls than Nick. And of course, this makes him jealous. And his response is, that actually makes me really more heterosexual than anyone. The fact that gay, bisexual men, because I mean, if they're gay this and they're having sex help, with man. girls, they're bisexual. I'm sorry? This guy just needs help. He, he needs something. He needs a podcast, I would say, but apparently he's already got one. It's called America First. He says, if we're really being honest, never having a girlfriend, never having a sex, never having sex with a woman really makes you more heterosexual because honestly, dating women is gay. He's got to be trolling. There's no way anyone genuine believe, genuinely believes that, right? I, yeah, I, I think it's a bunch of nonsense. He says dating women is gay, having sex with women is gay, and having sex with men in gay is gay. Really, it's all gay. Everything well, is then, gay. Then what's left for him? Like yeah. farm animals or being you know? an incel. Involuntarily celibate. That's what's left. Unless you're an involuntarily celibate, you're gay. All sex is gay. The only really straight heterosexual position is to be an asexual incel, which is which is another word, I suppose, for voluntarily celibate, an asexual person, as someone who is not in inclined to engage in sexual activities. That's it. That's all there is. But wait, there's more. Having sex in itself is gay, I think. I think it's really a gay act. Think about it this way. What's gayer than being like, I need cuddles, I need kisses, I need to spend time with a woman? That's a little sus. I think, really, I'm like the straightest guy. I've got to look this guy up. There's no... I mean, this is written like it's serious. This, this cannot be real. I, I feel like this segment is gay. <laughs> according to him, it almost certainly... Well, the moment that they got me on Free Talk Live, Free Talk Live became gay, according to this particular person. Let's see. According to Wikipedia, it's not a troll. Nicholas Joseph Fuentes is an American far-right white nationalist political commentator and live streamer. 
He has been described by the Anti-Defamation League as a white supremacist, a former YouTube. His channel was permanent YouTuber. His permanently his channel was permanently suspended in February for violating February of 2020, by the way, for violating YouTube's hate speech policy. Fuentes described himself as an American nationalist, Christian conservative, and paleo-conservative. He has also expressed anti-Semitic views and Holocaust denial, and is opposed to women's rights to vote. So apparently he's serious. He's just that screwed up in the head where he has come to believe. You're, you're absolutely right. He is half, he is half uh, Hispanic, however, and that's presumably the origins of his last name. He applied for transfer admission to Auburn, but did not control his enrollment. Fuentes is Catholic and of Hispanic descent on his father's side. So it's kind of hard to be a white supremacist if you're, well, you know, not white. Well, it's not impossible, right? Like Christopher Cantwell, who's currently a political prisoner by the American federal government for saying mean things to, a t- to another Nazi online, he wasn't really a white supremacist. He was a white nationalist, but he was a Jewish supremacist. If you listen to what he said, he would outright tell you that he believed that the Jews were superior to all other races, and that was his issue. Didn't we have a caller on Free Talk Live who was a Jewish anti-Semite? Probably. I mean, that's a whole stereotype itself, right? So, I don't know. He's a pro-Trump guy. He reportedly got into an altercation on a flight over masks. I mean, it doesn't seem to me like this guy is trolling. He's serious. This half-Hispanic white nationalist who thinks that having sex with women is gay. He's completely serious. In other things that are completely serious, though, a judge has ruled that Florida's 15-week abortion law is unconstitutional. I've largely saved this for the last segment because it's worth talking about, but I'm sick of talking about abortion because it's just such a hot issue these days. It's all people are talking about. Well, evidently, this judge has ruled that the 15-week abortion law down there in Florida is unconstitutional. So what is it, that you can have an abortion up until 15 weeks? Is that right? I I presume that's what the ruling, that's the effect that the ruling would have, but I don't know. In a setback for Florida Governor Ron DeSantis and Republican lawmakers, a Florida judge has ruled that a new state law banning abortions at 15 weeks is unconstitutional, and he intends to block it from taking effect on Friday. Now, I wonder if this means that it's federally unconstitutional or if it's a violation of Florida's constitution. In a verbal ruling on Thursday, Second Judicial Circuit Court, which, again, I don't know what that means. It could be either. John Cooper said he would be issuing a temporary statewide injunction that would go into effect once he signs the written order and the challenge brought by some Florida abortion providers. So are they trying to get a new case before the U.S. Supreme Court here? I don't understand what's going on. The decision is a short-term victory, of course, and it comes a week after the U.S. Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade and eliminated a constitutional right that has existed for half a century. Yeah, I was going to speculate that this has a sort of a reaction to the federal, the recent federal rulings, and now this is the state going, well, what do we do about our laws? Well, certainly, except the, the laws that are on the books are no longer, you know, flagrantly unconstitutional as a result of the Supreme Court ruling. There is more about this coming up because it's all very confusing and it's worth talking about. It is Free Talk Live.
is Free Talk Live from Rogers Campground here in the beautiful White Mountains of New Hampshire. And for those who missed it, well, first of all, with you today, it's Aria. Big Kahuna, I'm the captain. And for those who missed it, if you go to freekeen.com, a two posts down or the second post, you will see Ian Freeman returns to the stage at Port Fest 2022. And it had been, I think, 15 years or something to that effect since he had been on the stage here at the Porcupine Freedom Festival. He was talking about the history of Free Talk Live, and he got into the subject of Phil Christiana, who's the the agent, as he characterizes it, is obsessed with free staters, and apparently Ian Freeman himself. And, you know, he's been targeting Ian for apparently the better part of the last decade or whatever. You yeah. can go to freekeen.com and check out the article there that's about it. There is the video, the full video of Ian's speech here at the Porcupine Freedom Festival. Also, surprising to me, right, like a few weeks ago, my attorney messaged me. He's like, hey, I got some stuff of yours. Come by the office sometime and pick it up. I was like, okay, cool. You know, I didn't think anything more about it. I knew I would get my my Nintendo Wii U back at some point, Mm -hmm. right, because it's a Nintendo, really. They took my Nintendo. The FBI did that. And they didn't even write down the correct thing. They thought they took a Nintendo Wii. They took a Wii U. You know, if they're going to steal from me, they should at least know what they're stealing. And they didn't. But that was returned to me, of course. I don't want it because it spent close to a year and a half in possession of the FBI. And sure, it is just a Nintendo and probably hasn't been compromised. But in that year and a half, I also replaced it. Mm -hmm. So I no longer really have any need of it. Right. But to my surprise, they also returned a a USB dongle that generated a two-factor authentication key that I no longer need because the... I just no longer need it. A flash drive that I immediately threw into the trash because I don't care what's on it, and I don't I don't need to know what's on it at this point. I'm not plugging it into any of my devices to find out. Mm-hmm. And most shockingly, my DVR. Now, for those who don't know, I have security cameras on my house. They're connected to a DVR, which stands for, I think, digital video recorder or something. Yeah. I never thought about what it actually stands for, but it's probably that. Yeah, no, I think uh, these video camera devices that are the DVR, they're called NVRs, network video recorders, because your cameras are a network. <laughs> Well, they are if they're network cameras. These actually use, uh, I forget what the type of cable is. Yeah, you don't necessarily have to have them connected to the internet, but they, well, they, I mean, the cameras they weren't themselves on a network. Are a network. So, I mean, the DVR was on a network, but the cameras themselves were not. They were, they were not Cat5 or Cat6 cameras. They okay. use a specific proprietary type of cable. So they weren't actually on the network, um, it, the internet or you know the local network. But anyway... They took that from me, and I was convinced. Like, before I even looked at it, I was like, there's no way they returned this to me and it still got the hard drive in it. There's just no way, right? Because the FBI, they don't do that. They don't raid your house and let you capture the footage and then give that footage back to you. Right. As far as I'm aware, that was the first time it had ever happened. And I I haven't looked, but I, I, I just can't imagine there being too many precedents of that. But I looked, and to my surprise, sure enough, there it is, all the way up until about 6.12 in the morning. It it begins getting interesting at about 6.02 in the morning. And for about a 10-minute period there, you can see the FBI assembling. They've got AR-15s. They've got assault rifles. They've got countless quad cars and federal agents out there in my front yard. You can tell they're preparing to do that. It looks like they're going to war. They're wearing military gear, military helmets, night vision goggles. Like the battering ram thing. Mm-hmm. They had yeah. those, uh, you know, riot shields. And, all, and I'm yeah. sitting up there sleeping in my underwear, peacefully, minding my own business. There's two firearms in the house. 
a nine millimeter and a twenty gauge, and they come to my house with assault rifles, fifty something plus units, night vision goggles, riot shields, all of that nonsense, and suddenly I hear people screaming. So I, you know, bolted downstairs wearing just a throw blanket. I thought it was the contractors who were doing work for me at that time, just making an unnecessary amount of noise. You know, I realize now that the FBI agents were yelling out that it's the FBI, but I had gone to sleep about two hours before that at that point, so I was not all there. Been asleep for two hours, went to sleep drunk on top of that. I, I, I was at the bottom of my stairs before I realized that, oh, God, it's a bunch of FBI agents standing behind riot shields with flashlights and assault rifles pointed at me, telling me, Aria, stop moving, right. or we will open so, fire. So the footage that you received... Uh has sort of made you relive the experience. I wouldn't go that far, but I mean, it was... It brought it back up to your mind. It it did. I mean, you don't go through something like that without it always being a part of you from that moment forward, right? But uh, the only time I really came close to being bothered or having a flashback or something like that was during the opening for Resident Evil Village, which actually entails what is essentially an FBI raid, and it it goes on. It plays out exactly like the FBI raid did. Yeah. But yes, I, I saw that, and you know they assembled on my yard, and then they started clipping security camera wires and all that, and everything went dead. And right after that, they kicked in my door, presumably. I got that footage about a, a about three days before leaving for the Porcupine Freedom Festival, or if even that long. And in order to use it, I had to either connect a flash drive to my DVR, which was going to take forever. Yeah. And it had to be formatted a certain way. And then I had to take, you know, six different camera feeds for an hour and move them over. And it was going to take multiple trips, an hours long process. And I didn't have time to deal with that while sure. also preparing for the Porcupine Freedom Festival. So it's just like, all right, I'm going to order a. A device from Amazon. It's not a device. It's a cable that allows me to connect the hard drive directly via USB to my computer. It provides power and reads the data and all that stuff. That arrived, uh, I think, Saturday. And of course, no, it arrived Sunday, the day that I was preparing to leave for the Porcupine Freedom Festival. And I had a party that I was hosting that night. So I didn't get to actually recovering that footage. I just took some, some still pictures from when I initially hooked it up to see if it was there. Because to my surprise, that footage was there. So I qu- immediately took some pictures like, oh, my God, guys, you're not going to believe this. They gave me back the footage. Yeah, that's pretty unbelievable. But right. if I understand it right. Yours wasn't the only footage. No, it was not. Uh, I thought it was at the time, but evidently, uh, over on freekeen.com, if you go there, you will find that they did, in fact, also return Ian's DVR. So Ian has footage of the war zone that they turned Leverett Street into because they were way... The, the way that they... The, this is why I'm not even going to bother to release my footage at this point because it, it's meaningless, right? It's not even blue on black. It's more like... Uh, a dull, uninteresting video versus what happened here, which involved a flash grenade, a battering ram, drones, and other nonsense. Like in mine, you can see them coming up to my house with riot shields, but in here, you see them actually driving, you know, uh, bearcats through doors and smashing out windows and ripping down a flag and stuff like that. You don't see any of that at my house. Yeah, they ripped down the peace flag, yeah, yeah. by the way. They did, and, and, and there's footage of that. And you mentioned assault rifles, and I think in in this context, that's true. In other words, it's an assault on freedom. It's an assault on liberty. It was certainly uh, an assault on me. You know, assault on you personally, and that's that's where that term uh, makes sense. It doesn't make yeah. sense, but it's true. 
You're absolutely right. The term assault rifle is used uh, in all manner of ways today, and most of these aren't actually assault or anything like that. It's just a nickname we use for basically for rifles that people think they're scary. But in this particular case, you're absolutely right. They, they were assault rifles. They were used as assault rifles. And when I watched this video of what happened at Leverett Street, all I can think is, my God, we're lucky no one was murdered. Yeah, we're lucky no definitely. one was hurt. Definitely. They were ready for, I don't know, they were ready for a war. Uh, if you watch the footage... They were ready to start a war, yes, to be specific. Because they, they did this to peaceful people who were accused of no violent crimes. When you look at this, it's like, this is very, very similar to the to the videos or the uh, actions of these SEALs when they raided Osama bin Laden. The very difference much. there was they were going for the kill. With us, they were going for the arrest. But the level of violence that they executed was about on par with one another. I mean, they turned this little suburb out, out there in Keene with a population of 23,000 or whatever into an actual war zone. Yeah. And now, I, I wasn't there for the raid, but I was there for the post-raid, and I saw the damage that was done, and I was part of the the team, really, of people that came together to sort of reassemble the studio and secure the doors and the windows and all that kind of stuff. And watching this footage that, that was released over there on freekeen.com uh, made me sort of relive all of that. And brought it back to mind and sort of re-infuriated me, uh, you know, having been removed from that for, you know, over a year now, you know, and, and all that kind of thing. Uh, seeing that footage just sort of brought everything back for me anyway. And it, if you've yeah. never seen footage of an FBI no-knock raid, yeah. here's your chance because it yeah. exists and it's horrifying, yeah. especially yeah. to peaceful people whom this whole thing could have just been a knock on the door or a phone call. I accidentally said, go ahead. I've heard and I read the, the descriptions of the raid, but until I saw the video, um, I mean, the more I watch it, the more disturbed I get with that whole thing. Yeah, go to freecane.com to watch that video. Share it far and wide. People really need to know what the federal government is capable of doing to innocent people. That's freekeen.com. Thanks for listening. It is Free Talk Live. Iconic guitarist Eric Clapton's lifelong passion for the blues burns brightly in a new film and soundtrack release entitled Nothing But the Blues. The documentary film, which was nominated for an Emmy Award, has been upgraded to 4K for its long-awaited official Blu-ray and DVD release. The new soundtrack album features all of the music from the 1995 film and also includes more than an hour of previously unreleased live performances, Eric spoke about his lifelong love and respect for the blues. And as much as I've questioned it and railed against it and, and, and been stubborn about my path, I'm back on it. But this is me in terms of my musical identity today, where I've come from and what I mean, and wherever I go in the future will be as a result of this. I have tried to play folk music, play country and western, play even jazz, um, and a, a lot of pop music, but I do this best, and that's been given to me to do. 
That's iconic guitarist Eric Clapton, whose long-awaited documentary film and music soundtrack, Nothing But the Blues, will be released on multiple formats on June 24th. Order now at ericclapton.com.